So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story on my mom this morning. And uh, I always, always, always check and ask permission before I tell stories. I did not today, but I've told this story before uh, on her, so I think it's okay. My mom is a, is a pretty cool lady, um, but, but she was not growing up especially good at growing things. I mean, totally understandable. She had six kids uh, within five years of each other. Um, she homeschooled, and, and we owned some rental properties that she managed. So she had her hands full. Uh, but she really liked flowers, and so she would plant these flowers, uh, but then things would come up, and she would forget to water them, and so then they would die, and then she would buy new flowers and plant those, and then those would die, and then she'd buy new flowers, and those would die, and, and you know, it, was, it was just kind of sad. So eventually, she said, you know what? I can do this. So she bought fake flowers <laughs> and put them outside in flower pots, and uh, she would go and, and kind of you know, put, I don't know, gloss or whatever on them every once in a while. So they'd stay shiny and look sharp. And uh, it was really funny. I mean, I remember growing up different times, you know, in Kansas, we'd have windstorms come through and, uh, you know, we'd get up and, and her flowers would be scattered all over the cul-de-sac or the street and she would have us go pick up her flowers so that she could replant them, right? And so she would do that and they look really sharp. Now, now that she doesn't have any of her kids living at home anymore, now she has a garden and it does great. But growing up, um, you know, she would, she would have these fake flowers and and I can't remember, she would put gravel in the flower pots, I think, because it was a little heavier and would kind of hold things in place. There's a spiritual truth there. And if you don't take anything else away from today, this is what you take away. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, looking at the parable of the sower. But here's the truth. If the plant is fake, it doesn't matter what the soil is made of. You know, if, if you don't have a real plant, then who cares what the soil is because the plant's going to look the same and you can put a little paint on it, it'll be fine, but it's never actually going to bear fruit because fake plants don't grow anything. So fast forward uh, lots of years to last year. Last year, Lori and I were getting ready for year number two of our garden. And Lori told me it'd be really nice to have some raised beds. So I made her a couple raised beds. And then as we were getting ready to fill those, um, we decided not to go with gravel. Uh, because if the plant is real, then what the soil is made out of makes a big difference. And listen, I'm, I'm not a farmer at all not great at growing things. Um, we have two labs, and so between me and our labs, we can pretty much wipe out a garden every summer without even trying. But, but I do know that soil makes a pretty big difference. And so today, we're looking at Mark chapter 4. And, and this, is, uh, this is the second longest teaching in the book of Mark. So Mark, we remember, is uh, one of the shortest gospels, and Mark is a guy, he, he looks at things and he keeps using the word immediately. 35 different times in the book, he uses the word immediately, where he says, and Jesus immediately did this, and then immediately this happened, immediately this happened. And where he's, a, he's a young guy, he's kind of excited, and he just jumps from place to place. And there's only two times in the book of Mark where he slows down and actually goes through a whole teaching that Jesus does. And one is in Mark chapter 13, and that's talking about the end times. The other one is right here in Mark chapter 4. And this, is a, this is the first blank. If you're taking notes on your bulletin, this is the first blank. This is one of the only lengthy teaching sections in Mark. So we should pay attention. This is the, the second longest time where we hear the words of Jesus, where he teaches through and where he says, hey, I want you to hear this, where Mark's not just jumping from one scene to the next, but Mark actually stops and says, this is a big deal. We better pay attention to this. So this is what it is. So we're going to read through Mark chapter 4. Um, we'll start verse 1. If you have your Bibles, or it'll be up here on the screen. This is what we read. 
again, he began to teach beside the sea. And so Jesus, you know, he taught down by the water a lot. One of the reasons he did that is because, you know, the, the beach was there, so you could get a big crowd of people there. And then the acoustics were such uh, with the water there that you could just, without a sound system, you could speak in a way that a lot of people could hear you. In fact, they went back and did some studies and found out that in a couple coves there, that if you sat in a boat in just your regular speaking voice without any sound system, you could speak to where 7,000 people could hear you. So when we hear about like huge crowds coming at Jesus, I think one of the reasons he always was down by the water is because he knew that the acoustics there would just allow him to communicate with a lot of people. So a very large crowd gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. This is the next blank. Jesus uses everyday common stories to make kingdom-minded points. So this was an agrarian society, you know, tons of farmers there. I mean, the disciples, a lot of them were fishermen. So everyone like heard this, you know, this, this farmer, the sower went out to plant. Everyone like, oh yeah, I've seen that a million times. You know, I mean, everybody would have seen their neighbors doing that, doing it themselves. And so when Jesus starts this, Jesus uses everyday common things to teach principles. And, and that right there is just a little teaching point for us. Because if we ever look at Scripture and we try and make theology so complicated that you need a master's to understand anything, then we're probably doing something wrong. Because Jesus, now, now Scripture can be complicated, and there's a reason that we study Scripture and really dig in. But Jesus uses everyday common stories because honestly, like the gospel message is not that complicated. It's that as people were lost, Jesus provides a way to be found. And, and that's it in a nutshell. I think it comes out when Jesus teaches these parables because he just uses everyday common stories that everybody would have related with. And so he says, look, a guy went out to sow a seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured it. <clears throat> Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, and he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that whole thirty, sixty, hundredfold, I mean, that, that would have been a really good year, but like not something unheard of. And so, you know, Jesus is talking through, and, and I mean, you know, this is a word picture that most of us get. The sower goes out, and back in the day um, when they would sow, uh, usually they'd have like a bag of seed that they'd carry, kind of strapped almost like a bandolier, and they'd grab handfuls of seed and just throw it out. And, you know, it didn't have a lot of GPS precision planting. So, you know, you just throw seed out, and kind of where it fell, it fell. And, And the path is probably just the path that people would walk through on the field. And so there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, picking your spots to plant. I mean, mostly people would just throw stuff out, knowing that some of the seed was going to fall on, fall on soil where nothing would happen. But then a lot of the seed would fall on good soil where it would grow up and produce a pretty good harvest. So Jesus said this, and then he just said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he kind of stopped there. And then we pick up verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12, and so not just the 12 disciples, but those around him with the 12, this group of folks, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, 
so that they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So this is an Old Testament quote. We read this, we go all the way back to the book of Isaiah to read about this. And this is what we read in Isaiah. Isaiah 6. And this is right where Isaiah is getting his call from the Lord. So the, uh, in the Old Testament, anytime we read at the beginning of a prophet, like uh, beginning of the book of prophet, whether it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, any of those, usually what happened is God's people are not listening to God or not paying attention, and they need some correction of some kind. And so God comes to a prophet and says, hey, I want you to carry my message to my people. And usually he says, I want you to carry my message to my people, and by the way, they're not going to listen to you. And so then he's like, but you have to take it anyway. Ezekiel was probably the worst because God's like, hey, I want you to go give the message to my people. And just so you know, they're not going to listen at all, but you still have to go give the message exactly like I tell you, and you're not going to be real popular. So Isaiah kind of gets the same thing because God's looking, and Isaiah has this vision of of the throne room of God, and God's like, hey, I need to communicate to my people. Who am I going to send? And so this is where we pick up, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Isaiah is right, and he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say this to my people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull, and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And so God tells Isaiah, like, go tell the people. And he gives him that quote. And that quote is really a warning where, where it's talking to God's people and it's using, you know, a little bit of divine sarcasm. But he says, keep listening, but don't understand. And you'll keep seeing, but don't really get what you're seeing. Um, because when you do that, your heart gets dull and your ears heavy. And then blind their eyes, lest they see with their hearts and hear with their ears. And that they didn't understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Now, most of us who have either been children or married or parents at some point in our, in our life, like we know what it's like to talk to somebody and like hear the same thing again and again and again and get to the point where you just stop noticing. You know, I, I see it with my labs sometimes. Like, you know, I'll give my labs commands. And if I don't make sure that they're staying tight and staying disciplined, at some point, if I start to let things slip, I'll say something and I'll look and it just falls on deaf ears, Right. I can say, Lucy, come here. And if, if for a while, I don't, if Lucy doesn't come, then I've taught her it's okay to ignore that. And at some point, I'll be like, Lucy, come. And she'll just act like she hasn't even heard anything at all, right? But then you crack that food container open, like in a 40-mile-an-hour wind from three miles away, and she's like right there, right? And most of us, like we've seen that with our kids at one time or another. We've been there as kids, and we've heard that from our parents. We see that with our spouse. We're like, we'll talk about something, we talk about it, talk about it, and talk about it, but there's no change. At some point, we, we just kind of become deaf to it. And there's a danger that that happens with God's Word with us. Like, there's a danger that when God's Word, like when we hear God's Word, but we don't respond to God's Word, when we're convicted by God's Word, but we don't do anything about it, we refuse to take any action, then eventually we become deaf to that. I mean, we kind of see that with Pharaoh in the Old Testament where he just refused to listen to God and his heart became hardened. And we read that for a while he hardened his own heart, but eventually God started hardening his heart where God was like, hey, you chose disobedience enough times, I'm going to give you what you want because God ultimately gives people what they want. 
And there's a danger for us. And what Jesus is referring to when he talks back to this, this passage from Isaiah, he's saying, hey, don't be those people that see but don't get it. Don't be those people that hear the truth but never respond to it. Because at some point, you're going to find that you're actually incapable of hearing truth if you harden and resist it long enough. The next blank is this on your bulletin. Don't be someone who ignores God's word to the point that you can't hear it. Because if you choose disobedience long enough, eventually God will give you what you want and give you that. And then you'll find yourself just having a very, very, very difficult time understanding or responding to God's word. It's, it's like you become so calloused that there's no conviction there anymore. And that's a really dangerous spot to be in. Now, the cool thing is that's not, that's not an irreversible position because God, God's pretty clear that like if we turn and repent, no matter how far gone we are, God wipes it clean and God takes care of it. And so it's not an irreversible position, but there does become a time when we ignore it long enough that our ears kind of become deaf and we don't hear God's voice anymore. If we're not hearing God's voice, it's awful hard to turn back to Him. So don't be in that boat. You know, if God's telling you something, or if you're being convicted, if you know you have something going on in your life that you need to turn back over to God, man, respond in obedience. Because if you're not doing that, eventually you will become deaf to God's call in your life. So the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, so like you tell these stories, why do you tell these stories? And Jesus says, well, you know, there's a lot of folks that are going to be trying to figure this out. And you guys are in that boat, but I'm, I'm going to kind of explain it to you now so that you get it. Because Jesus is thinking eventually, a couple years from now, I'm going to be in heaven and you're going to have to communicate this to everybody. So Jesus says, here's the meaning of this passage. Verse 13, he said to him, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? It's got to be kind of convicting when Jesus is like, hey, do you, do you not get it? Because like, if you don't get this one, you're probably not going to get any of the others because this one's pretty straightforward. And Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Okay, so, so the image is, you know, God, God's sowing the word, Jesus sowing the word, and, and the word then is, is the seed. So the seed is the word of God, the message of God, the gospel. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So Jesus says, okay, so here's, here's I'm, I'm going to unpack it for you, and this will kind of give you a, a roadmap for when I tell other parables, you can unpack those too. So Jesus says, you know, sower, sowing the seed. The seed is the word of God. It's going to fall on different places. So the first place it's going to fall uh, is along the path. And, you know, again, he's using this agricultural uh, picture. So, you know, I mean, we picture the path trampled down. You know, a seed lies on top of it. Apparently, this is not alfalfa. It actually has to, like, get, get in the ground some, right? And so Jesus is saying, you know, it doesn't do anything. And Satan immediately comes in and kind of snatches it away. And so, you know, we look at that. And Jesus, Jesus basically says, so there's spiritual warfare going along. Satan 
are going on around us, Satan knows that like once once the word starts to bear fruit, that like he's he's lost. And he knows he he knows he's lost already, but he wants to take as many people down with him as he can. And so Satan says, okay, there's easy picking because the it's it's not going into the soil at all. Like the soil is resistant to the seed. So I'm just gonna snatch it away. And you know, I think about that. I think about when there's people who are just just absolutely closed off to the gospel, who don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it, have anything to do with church or anything to do with scripture, anything to do with with the good news of Jesus. And and, and it's just like a non-starter with them. Jesus said that's a dangerous spot to be in because then like the seed doesn't penetrate at all and, and then it gets taken away. Then he said there's this other soil on the rocky ground. The ones who hear it uh, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and that's a whole lot of us right because I, I know a whole bunch of christians who like we hear god's word we hear the gospel we hear about the saving grace of jesus we jump on board and we're like yes i can get on board with this i'm excited about this and uh, you know the fire's burning pretty hot but then but then we don't do the hard work of growing and allowing jesus to grow and form us you know we use the term spiritual disciplines we don't spend much time in God's Word. We don't spend much time in prayer. And we don't do anything to deepen God's Word in us. And we find that we don't have any root system. And so the sun comes out uh, in the story, but uh, verse 17, they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. You know, struggles, trials, anything comes along, and it's just the, the root system isn't very deep. I mean, we, we all know, you know, pulling weeds with a shallow root system is pretty easy. Pulling something with a deep root system takes a lot more work. And Jesus is saying, you know, there's this, this rocky soil where, you know, because the soil has all this other stuff in it, like, the roots just can't go down. And, and then you find yourself pretty weak to resist anything. And Jesus said, but then there's other times, others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, Hebrews 12 talks about this. You know, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, hey, like, when you run the race, when you're chasing Jesus, we got to get rid of sin, but then he's like, we get rid of everything that hinders us. And, you know, Jesus says there's a soil that gets sown, but there's other seed there. Um, because if thorns are growing up, they had to come from somewhere. So there's seed there that's not the gospel. And if that seed is allowed to grow, then it just starts choking it out. So, um, can I tell you guys a pretty embarrassing story from my last week? All right, so I'm driving to Fort Benton with Colin, and um, we're, we're getting close to Denton. And so we're driving, we have a, uh, we're meeting with some guys over there talking about some youth group plans for the summer that we can do with a couple other churches. We get about five miles outside Denton, and uh, my family always makes fun of me because I, I have a very small bladder, drink a lot of coffee, so about five miles outside Denton, you know, nature calls, so I pull over and, uh, you know, um, take care of business, get back in the truck, and start to go forward, and my truck will not go forward. I mean, it feels like, it feels like the brakes are locked up. And so I'm like, I'm not pushing the brake, you know, and, and my truck's manual, and so I, I try and, and it just like starts to lurch forward a little bit, not going anywhere. Colin's like, man, it feels like the brakes are locked up. I'm like, yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, this lady stops, you know, she was pulled up next to us and you guys okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I got a buddy in Denton. I can call if we, if we have trouble. So I was like, keep going. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, we, we, we'd make a hundred yards and just not moving forward at all. And so 
I'm like, man, you know, emergency brake is off. I don't know what the heck is going on. Then I look down, and I have this moment where I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, my floor mat on my Tacoma is one of those that, like, it has a hook that kind of keeps it in place. But that hook, I mean, it's a, almost a 20-year-old truck, so that hook broke off some time ago. And I don't know how, but when I got out, somehow I managed to scoot the floor mat forward, and it popped up, and it was just holding my brake pedal down. And so I look at this, and I can't go forward because my brake is depressed because I have a... a because the, the floor mat is on it. Um, two things. At that point, I was really, really glad I hadn't yet called Corey because that just would have been even more embarrassing. And so I get out, and, you know, I mean, my brakes are, are just fine. I hadn't moved forward very far. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I am just dumb. So I put the floor mat back where it's supposed to be. Every time I've driven my truck since then, I've checked it twice before I started driving because I was like, this is just, you know, not going to happen. But then I thought about it. I was like, man, like how good an illustration is that sometimes for us, like trying to grow our spiritual life? Like, I think that's what Jesus is describing there. We're like, we see Jesus and we're like, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to drive towards you. But like, if we're honest, we also have the brake pushed down because we have other seeds that we're allowing to grow in our life. I mean, for some of us, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a relationship that, that we shouldn't be in that we know is not honoring to Jesus. For some of us, it's just our priorities are a little screwy, and we know that like, that like God's word and God's call in our life and God is the absolute priority and anything else that threatens that, we need to get rid of. You know, for some of us, it's, it's that secret sin that nobody knows about. You know, on the computer late at night where nobody, nobody knows, nobody sees. You know, for some of us, it's, it's work itself. It's just, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm going to get ahead with work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize work and getting ahead ahead of anything else. And man, it's, it's like trying to move forward with the brake pushed down. And that just doesn't work. I mean, that's, that's the seed that's growing up among thorns. So I think one question we can just ask ourselves is, what other seeds are you allowing to grow in your life? Because when we get to the, the, like the fruitful soil, when we get to the seed that actually bears fruit, there's only one seed growing there. It's not competing with other stuff. You know, this is where that whole gardening illustration makes a lot of sense, Right? Because in our garden at summer, you know, we, we got to be really, really deliberate um, and diligent about weeds. I mean, if, if you don't stay on top of the weeds, right, they get ahead of you and, and then it's all gone. Uh, you know, last summer, Lori and I took a vacation. My sister and brother-in-law from Japan were in town, or were in Colorado for about three days. Uh, so in the middle of the summer, we jumped down for three days to Colorado and then came back. And I think total we were gone five days. In those five days, thistles moved into our garden. And oh my goodness, I mean, it was just, you know... We, we spent like six hours weeding and then, and then just gave up. And we're like, you know what? We'll let everything grow up and we'll just try and pick the fruit out from among, or pick the veggies out from among it, right? But like weeds in, in other seed is one of those we have to be extra diligent about. And it doesn't matter like how healthy a believer we are or how well we're pursuing Jesus. If we're not constantly vigilant about what other seed we're allowing to grow in our life, then pretty soon we're going to find ourselves behind the eight ball. Jesus says this, verse 20 is the last one. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. All right. And Jesus said there's, there's good seed. Like the God, God's word, we know that God's word, it doesn't come back void. We know that like that seed is going to grow. It just needs to be given soil to grow it in. So this is the next blank, and, and this is the application for us. 
is that we cannot control the seed or we cannot always control the seed that gets sown in our lives. But we can absolutely control the soil. And that's our next blank. We cannot control the seed, but we can control the soil. And I mean, we, we know to like a degree we can, we can control the seed. I mean, you know, we can be careful like what we watch. We can be careful what we're doing on social media. We can be careful what relationships we, we pursue, what friendships we have, what we do with our free time, where we spend our money, you know, what we're doing with, with work, how we're, how we're investing in our families. There are a lot of things we can control. But there's also some things that we can't control. And we, we can't always control what, get, what seed gets kind of sown or thrown out in our lives. But we can absolutely control the soil. And we can decide which seed gets to, gets to build roots and grow roots in our life and which seed doesn't. The second blank is that, or the next blank is this. You can change the kind of soil you provide for God's Word. And that's something that sometimes we don't think about. And when we get in a bad state, we're like, you know what? I mean, it wasn't up to me. Like, life dealt me this, this set of circumstances, and there's nothing I can do about it. Or, you know, there's this curveball with my health, and nothing I can do, so I'm just going to play the hand I'm dealt. The cool thing is that Scripture teaches us that, like, we provide the soil. And, like, and, and soil, doesn't, soil can't grow anything without seed. But when God's word takes root, like we end up bearing fruit. And God's word is, is what bears fruit, but the soil we provide gives that a place to grow. And we can absolutely dictate the soil. This is the way Ephesians says it. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, in the New Testament, saints are just a word for Christians, for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God, uh, knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, longer pass. I'm going to go back and just reread a part of this. How much does this sound like that whole section about the thorns? Where he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. And he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into, into Jesus, basically. And so what Paul's really telling people there is like, at one point, when you're infants, you're going to struggle. Like You're going to struggle to provide the best soil for God's Word. But as you grow, you can change that soil and provide soil that allows God's Word to dig in, to grow deep roots, and cuts out everything else. And so we can provide rocky soil for thorns and everything else in our life that's coming in. And we can provide good soil for God's Word. Um, but with there, there's, there's a couple lessons. Um, good soil, we only have like a limited amount of soil. And we have a very limited amount of soil that we allow some seeds to grow deep roots in. 
And something's going to grow deep roots in that. We get to decide which seed that is. It's either going to be God's Word or it's going to be something else. And it's not like we can say, well, it's not going to be God's Word now. What God's Word later will do, and, uh, and nothing's going to happen now because that's just not the way it works. Like something is going to grow deep roots in our life. And we get to decide what kind of soil we're going to provide for whatever seed is in our life. This is the last blank. The good soil has depth and singular focus. That's Jesus. I mean, that, that's kind of where he lands there. Is like the soil that bears fruit, there's nothing else competing. Like there's no competing seeds. There's only one seed that is allowed to grow there. It's, it's not, um, you know, there's no thorns around. It's not rocky soil that keeps the roots from getting deep, you know, that accepts the word with joy but never allows any depth to happen. It's not the path where seed's not allowed to get into the soil at all but just stay on the surface. Jesus said there's, there is soil and it has depth and it has singular focus. So the application for that is really pretty straightforward for us, right? Because every single one of us here, we're allowing seed of some kind to grow in our life. We're providing soil for seed. And there's some good soil in our life that we allow something to take root in. And so the question is just, what is taking root in your life? Because some seed should be choked out and some seed should be allowed to go deep and grow good roots. What is it in your life that's taking root? And, you know, I mean, there's, there's some easy ways to figure that out. We talk about those from time to time. I mean, one of the easiest ways is, is just pull out your, your, uh, pull out your bank account and your calendar and figure out where you're spending your time and your money. I don't tell you what's taking root in your life. Um, another way is to uh, sit down with someone who, who knows you well, who you trust, and just ask them, hey, Tell me, what do you think, based on the way I live my life, what are my, what are my five highest priorities? What do you think are the five things that are most important to me? And then listen to what they have to say. If they so, say something you don't agree with or don't like, um, don't tell them to shut up. Just, just listen to that. And pay attention to that, because what somebody else who knows you well identifies as your priorities even if you don't think it is, you probably ought to pay attention to that because that very well may be a priority in your life that, that you don't want. And then just like with a garden, what do we do when there's weeds? We pull weeds, we get rid of weeds. I mean, for us, like taking care of the soil, we can decide what we choke out and what we allow to grow, right? And, and just like anything else, I mean, what, what we feed grows. And so if, if I'm struggling with a relationship that I shouldn't be in, uh, I get rid of that relationship. You know, if, if I'm struggling, maybe, maybe what it is, and this is one for a lot of us I know, um, you know, I, I got my little reminder uh, this morning, if you have an iPhone telling me how much time I spent on my phone uh, over the last week, and, you know, it's one of those, like, I always kind of wait for it to see, like, the, you know, the percentage increase or decrease, and usually I, I can base it on how well our daughter sleeps at night, um, because if I'm up in the middle of the night with her, a lot of times to stay awake, you know, I'm scrolling through Facebook or reading, reading articles or, you know, reading ESPN or doing any of that. But if we find that we're spending more time on the screen than we spend with our family, um, then we're feeding something that's not a right priority. So what is it in your life that you're feeding? And if something has taken root in your life that shouldn't, and we've got to take pretty drastic steps to cut it out. Like, it's not one of those where we're like, oh, I've noticed this, that's good enough. 
usually there's got to be action steps there. You know, maybe it's, hey, I'm putting my phone away from 5 to 8 p.m. Just, just so that I can invest in my family. Maybe it's we're going to cancel this subscription that we have just so that I don't have an opportunity to do this. Uh, maybe it's, hey, I'm going to get involved in one of the Bible studies or small groups that we have uh, at church just because I need to spend some more time being disciplined in God's Word, and I need some help doing that. Maybe it's, hey, I need to sit down and talk with a godly man or godly woman at church on a regular basis just to kind of keep myself focused. We'd love to do any or all of those. And maybe it's something where it's like, hey, I have a whole bunch of rocks in my soil, and some of them are pretty big, and I don't know how to get rid of those. And again, you know, that, sometimes like we can do that with pastoral counseling. Sometimes we need to go talk to professionals and, and just get, get some professional counseling with that. But man, whatever we can do to like remove rocks, remove barriers, get rid of other seeds so that we can provide God's, God's Word a place to grow and go deep and take root. When that happens, we're going to find ourselves bearing fruit for Jesus. And that's what he told us to do, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is, you know, go into all the world and make disciples. Teach people to obey everything I've commanded you and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what he called us to do. That's what we get to do that. But we can only do that when roots are going deep in our life. And one of the two longest teaching passages in Mark was Jesus saying, hey, be the good soil. Like, Don't be the rocky soil. Don't be the path. Don't let thorns there. Just be good soil, because if you are good soil, God's Word will bear fruit in your life. This is what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to pray for us in a second. Cal's going to come up and lead us through communion. Uh, then we're going to have one more song. And if you're here, and you're thinking, you know what? I am not the good soil right now. That's okay, because not a single person here started as good soil. But you can change the soil that you provide God's Word. If you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm in that first boat. I've never even let God's Word pass the front door. Like, I stop it right here. Man, let it go a little bit deeper than that. You know, if you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, I'm kind of the rocky ground. Like, I've, I have faith, but it is a very shallow faith. It's pretty easily shaken. Even if I don't want to say that, that's the truth. Now, let's figure out how to make that go a little bit deeper. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, there's some thorns in my life that I don't really know how to deal with. There's some some hang-ups, there's you know, something going on here that, that I need to figure out how to deal with. And don't do that alone, because Jesus, Jesus said, don't do life alone. Don't do church by yourself, because that's not the way it's supposed to happen. That's why we're in this together. That whole passage from Ephesians is about the church coming together to help each other grow to look more like Jesus. So if you just stay in your seat when service is over, make your way over here by the drums. We have some folks who'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and just figure out what the next steps look like. Because the truth is, all of us are trying to figure out how to make ourselves better soil for God's Word. Whether we've been a believer for 10 minutes or 50 years. Because the, the better soil we provide, the more God's, fruit will, or more God's Word will bear fruit in our lives. So let me pray for us. I'm going to have Cal come up and lead us through a communion. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for sharing, sharing your parables with us. Thank you for providing the explanation. Jesus, I pray that... that as a church, we would be full of people who are, who are constantly growing to be better and better soil for you. Um, Jesus, that, that no matter where we start at, the, that you would give us the conviction, um, the, uh, the knowledge, the determination, uh, the discernment to just take that, that step into being better and better and better soil. 
You know, for those of us who have rocks in our lives, who, who have other seeds growing up, give us, again, the, uh, the conviction and the accountability we need to just cut those out of our lives. Jesus, we know that, that we are an imperfect people following a perfect Savior. Jesus, we just want you to bear fruit in our lives um, and, and just allow, allow us to uh, have the gospel spread, have your gospel spread through us. Jesus, I pray that, that as a church, we would just continue to turn lost people into sold-out followers of you. That individually, each one of us will uh, we'll just take the steps we need to do. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.